This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, this is Frida Liu. More organizations are beginning to realize that values are more than just a bunch of words to be displayed on the walls of their premises. Values, when translated into workplace behaviors, can help to create an organizational culture that presents a sound basis for branding. Branding is more than just logos, advertisements, and marketing collaterals. It encompasses how employees project the brand promise and values. It should reflect the corporate culture, which in turn should positively impact both internal and external stakeholders and and connect with them at both a functional and emotional level. On a personal level, we should all be living lives that align with our individual value systems. If we are in conflict with our inner values, it can cause dissonance within us, a sense of unease, which in the long term will lead to dissatisfaction, relationship issues, and a host of other issues. If we live out our values, reflecting them in our behavior and decisions, we're likely to feel inner peace and project a positive personal brand. So it is the last Monday of the month, and as usual, human Equation founder Sheila Singham is here to shed some insight on values as a driver for branding, both personal and corporate, through some case studies. And of course, you're listening to Race a Game. Uh, welcome, Sheila. Uh, I missed you last month, so I'm going to make it up for you for it this time. More uh, questions. We'll, we'll go through straight into the case studies, and they're all, I'm sure, you know, real life scenarios. Um, okay, here's the case study number one. I don't agree with my organization's values. There seems to be a strong emphasis on profitability at the expense of other things like employee welfare. I feel conflicted. What should I do? That's a very common one, yeah? It's really, really tough working in an organization where your values conflict, um, you know, with the organization's values. Um, that sort of, that case study parallels my my case study, actually. Uh, it's such a coincidence. Uh, what happened was that I joined an organization um, in to do training. And uh, when I proposed to, and this is an organization that goes to market training to other companies and says, oh, you need to invest in training and all that, right? So when I went to see the CEO and I said, um, you know, can we get our people to be certified in NLP and do the training because it really help our trainers? He said, oh, no, our trainers are all already fine. Anyway, we don't have the budget for that. Mm. So I was saying, you're out there, you're telling people you need to find the budget to invest for training. And here you're saying you don't have a, tra- a budget to, to invest in upgrade, upskilling your trainers who are going to go out there and upskill other people. So that was a big conflict because it was always about bottom line profits and all that. So um, in the end, I did stick it out, took whatever experience I could and I left. So what advice I gave this person is to actually sit down and recognize what are the company values. The company values are not necessarily yeah, what are portrayed up there on the wall. Huh? That's what people, that, that's, the, that's the sort of like the facade, you know, that people put up. You can actually tell a company's values by looking at the culture, by looking at how people behave, what are their priorities, you know, how they mingle with each other, how um, HR treats its employees and, and how the C... And and usually a lot of the employee uh, organization values are led by the CEOs. So in the end, I had to I had to elicit this person's values. Um, he and his values were definitely in conflict with the organization's values. His was about you know wanting to make a difference, help people, engage people, and leave a legacy and all that. And definitely the company was very, um, in, in, in NLP, yeah, we say it's like very values level five. It's all about entrepreneurship, making money and all that. So when we talk about values, there is the inner value of the individual. There's the value of the 
um, person at the company mm-hmm. and the values level of the company as well, where it's evolved to. You need to keep evolving to higher values level. That's why companies that after they've gone through the entrepreneurship phase, made money and all that, they go to altruism. Like, like you know, the, the Bill and Melinda Gates made mm. money and then they go to values level six where they want to help the world and all that. So um, looking at this person, his company was clearly at like values level five entrepreneurship, make money and all that. He was at a six. I want to help the world, make the world a better place. So there was a conflict in the levels and there was also a conflict in the inner values. So I said to him that perhaps you should go to the organization if they do have a CSR um, arm or something, ask to be um, redeployed over there where you can do some good with the money that the company is making so that it kind of fulfills your values. Mm. But if there's no such option, then you really need to think about uh, moving to another job because values are the deepest driver, deepest motivator and the biggest source for the biggest conflict uh, in a human being if you are not fulfilling your values. So I said, go look for another job, maybe a company which has got all these aspirations of making a difference, helping the world, like social entrepreneurship and all that. That would be the place where you would find your niche. Okay, and and it's like it creeps up, right? Then the values also change. Sometimes as we evolve in life and all that and our our needs are different and if it doesn't doesn't jive, you'll feel an unease, as you were saying, you you know, f- and not at peace. Yes, yes. Mm, okay, here's another case study. I've been feeling restless in my job for a while. Um, I'm a new parent. I feel torn between wanting to spend time with my baby and wanting to prove myself at work, and that requires long hours. I've been thinking of quitting my job, but the thought of being a stay-at-home mom doesn't appeal to me at all because it's important to me to have a career. Mm. <laughs> been there. Been there. Lots of mums have been there. I don't know why dads never get into that sort of <laughs> conflict. Nobody, have, I've never heard a dad say, oh, you know what? It's true. Too much career demands, you know, but it's always the mother. It's always the pressure. That the has mother. to change. That's a, that's a whole topic on its own. Yeah, we talk I about feel, that another which day. Which I feel very strongly about, but yeah. go on. People always look askance at a woman who wants to have a career and then, you know, she's got small children. And I've, I've heard this myself. I've had family members whose mothers-in-law have, you know, gone and said to them, why do you need to go and and pursue your PhD and, you know, go and work so hard and climb up the ladder. You've got two small children there. You should be focusing just because they were stay-at-home moms. Mm. So it's really very, very unfair because um, everyone should be given the opportunity to fulfill the desires. Mm. And what's wrong with having children and having a job. You did it, Frida. I did it. Our children are not traumatized. So far, they seem all right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, that's sorry for another day. Anyway. Anyway, so what I did was to elicit three sets of values for this person. Her career values, her family values, and then her life values. And to kind of find out where they overlap, looking at the life values, hmm. which was the most priority. Of course, family was very, very important and she wanted to be part of her baby's life and her formative years and all that. But she also wanted to work. So there was a suggestion to go and talk, to, I mean, to, to go and talk to her employers or bosses to find out if there was some flexibility that could be allowed, whereby she can put in the long hours, but can she work from home for a certain number of those long hours, mm. you know? And how is it going to be seen if she packed up or at five and then uh, came home? But she's still working, but are people going to say, oh, you're not in the office, so you're not a committed worker, that sort of thing, so we're not going to promote you? Uh, was, was such a move going to be detrimental to 
to her career path? Was it going to affect, um, you know, like her CV, bio and so on and recommendations that they would they would give her for promotion and all that? So um, that was one solution that I went to talk to her, told her to go and uh, explore with them. And um, the other th- other option was to sit down and I, I asked her, what do you really, really desire to a career as a career? Does it necessarily need to be in this line? Hmm. Can it just be that you're working and building something um, that, you know, you, you can be proud of? So she uh, uh, made her, uh, asked her if this was actually her ideal career. And in a, it, as it turns out, it wasn't. You know, I mean, she she actually was looking for something more flexible, something that would help her to express herself. So sat down and looked at what are all the options that she was interested in. And then as it turns out, she could do something sort of like freelance or start a small business and um, let it grow while she was, um, you know, looking after her child in the first few years. And then to see where that took her. Fortunately, she had a very supportive uh, husband who was, uh, she she put in some of her savings into that, but a supportive husband who said, yeah, go go for it, no? So the, in, if you want to do things like this, you know, you always need to have supportive people around you, mm. no? So she did do that. And at the end of the day, actually, she's much happier now in the business that she set up. It, it's doing quite well for herself, mm. you know, and it fulfills both values, right. the need to have a career and the need for family, because there's nothing worse for a woman uh, who's torn between the two. Mm. You know? I want to work because I want to earn and build something for myself. But at the same time, you know, that you have that guilt because you you are not, you feel you're not fulfilling it. Fulfilling your family values. And that's where societal pressures come in, which I absolutely dislike and we have to move, break away from that mold. Other than breastfeeding, which the man cannot do, Hmm. uh, you know, we've got to change things around, uh, you know, views of what society expects of men and women. But that's a topic for another day. We're going to go through uh, more case studies after this. I'm here with uh, Sheila Singham from Human Equation. Uh, It's our Tools for Transformation series. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Break from monotony, BFM. 89.9. 89.9. You're listening to Enterprise. Good morning. Frida Liu here. It's Raise Your Game. I'm here with uh, Sheila Singer from Human Equation. Uh, we're talking about why values are vital. I'm going through case studies. Uh, we've gone through two. Um, the, the third here is I am the vendor for a company that prides itself on being a caring employer. I've been close to the people I liaise with uh, in my client company, and I've been hearing things that indicate that they're far from a caring employer. The culture appears to be toxic and they don't respect people's rights it bothers me because among my values are fairness and respect huh <laughs> ah that's that's actually was quite a bit of a tough one because at the end of the day they're not your employer mm. but there's someone who's portraying themselves to be a caring employer and this is where as a as a vendor you can build close relationships with the people in your client company but sometimes you need to draw the boundaries. I think we talked about boundaries uh, the previous month. Yeah, You need to draw the boundaries as to how much you can get affected or you can influence these people. So if if they are portraying themselves as a caring employer, but yet you are hearing all these things, I suppose the best you can do is to advise these these um you know employees uh, to go and take the necessary steps to either be bold enough to go up and confront hr or confront management about these issues or you know help them to find out what values are important to them and 
instead of just sitting there and whinging to outside people like me, the vendor, you know, go and do something about it. Lah, you know, either you go somewhere else where it's less toxic, change jobs. Or do something to influence the culture in the milieu where you are. I mean, you might not be able to go up there and affect the board and the C-suite people. But where you are, you can change the culture. Right. One. Correct. Now, mm. I always tell people, and this is something I teach in all my trainings. It's like Sheila Singham's Training 101 is take operate at cause. You know, take mm. charge of what you can. You can be a person who impacts the environment around you wherever you are. By what you say, what you do for others. Mm. You know, you don't have to. You can choose to get sucked yes. in by the toxicity or you can choose to be the antidote. Yeah. So this is my advice to this person. So that is your, the, your, your, your client. You need to go and do business with them. Go there and be the light for all these people. Advise them accordingly to make the changes they need to. Or if they really cannot tahan, then think of moving somewhere else. Mm. But you cannot influence at that vendor at that level. You cannot go up to see you and say your companies, your people are unhappy now. You cannot overstep your boundary into other companies to go and tell them about their culture and all that. They probably you don't know, do what? They'll lax your contract and say find another vendor. Right. You <laughs> know, if you, you guys have any questions for us, you can always send us an email at enterprise at bfm.my or even send a, an email directly to Sheila, which is your email is? It's Sheila, S-H-E-I-L-A, at human-equation.com Okay. And of course, uh, you can also WhatsApp us at 018789 Of course, you know, if you want anonymity, just say, you know, don't mention my name. We can do that too. <laughs> um, here's another case study. Um, I'm a senior official in a corporation with uh, decision-making powers. My company is doing a rebranding exercise and engaged an external consultant who's charging us a bomb for its services. So far, all I've seen is a new logo and storyboards for its advertising campaign. I'm not convinced on the right track because I strongly believe that branding is not just about the aesthetics but about the employees and whether their behavior reflects the brand aspiration. Should I terminate the consultant and take over the project? Well, if you really have a you you really are not convinced and it, it's not connecting what the consultant is not connecting with you, then you really need to go back to the drawing board and have a chat with the consultant. Perhaps your brief was not clear enough. Yeah. Perhaps the brief of the senior management was not clear enough. So, I mean, if you're just bringing in a consultant, an advertising consultant to do just the branding and logo and, you know, the, the, the advertisements and all that, maybe you didn't consider that there's more to be done in terms of the behavior of and character of the, the people that to affect the corporate culture. So what I suggest is if your if your contract allows for you to just take all those marketing collaterals and then tell the consultant, okay, we don't need you anymore, fine, do that if it makes you happy. But you can actually bring the consultant on board and you know use them for this if they are, have that skill set. Now, the thing that a lot of organizations don't realize is they don't know what really branding really is. They think yeah. that branding is just all about the aesthetics, the outside, you know, we got new logo and new, new everything else, advertisements, lovely stuff. But at the end of the day, branding is impacted by culture. I mean, I, I give you the metaphor of a tree. Mm. The brand is the fruit and the leaves that you see. And if it's all glowing and bright and healthy, and then it means that the brand promise is being fulfilled. Right. The brand promise feeds the trees and the leaves, right? But the brand promise itself stands on the... The, the brand promise is the branches, huh? And the, the trunk of the tree, which, you know, carries, which supports the entire thing, is the organizational culture. 
and the organizational culture must be rooted in values. The values are, are like the roots. So organizational culture is so important. Out there, you have a fantastic branding, but inside, you know, your, your HR, your employee engagement, your, your end-to-end, la, you know, the, your mm-hmm. supply chain is all uh, rigged with all kinds of inefficiencies and all that, definitely is going to affect the brand. Mm. And there again, it's all about aligning people with the right values and translating those values into behaviors. Now, I've, I've done work with a few companies already where I go in and I say, it always starts with the values. So what are your values? Then again, uh, your values need to be organically derived. You can't have a consultant come and say, okay, these values look really nice. Respect, uh, customer care, you know, they, they, you, and, and, and take a bunch of values and throw it at you and say, oh, these look really good. Like, let's, let's put them up there. No, it, it just gives a great impression. When I say organically derived, before you go and uh, put up the values there, you need to talk to the people. You need right. to talk to the stakeholders. How do the customers put, uh, see you? How do your vendors see you? How do other stakeholders see you, your um, you know, regulators and all that? Huh? They see you. And then you talk about how the people in the company see you at various levels. Mm. Okay, so once you have gathered all of this, then you ask these people, what are the values that are coming through? People think branding is easy. It's as not. well, you know, you're, you're the accountant and you think, ah, I can do that job yeah. too. So also recognize that these people are also experts in their field, but they can only work as good as how much you've given them. You are absolutely right so, in that. This so, is my past life coming out. No, no, out. <laughs> yeah, it is, you're, you're absolutely right. So you you got to, re- first of all, you got to be clear about what branding is. Lah. Yeah. If then, then if you don't and know what... And also maybe realize you're not the expert. Yeah. Right? But also if you don't know what branding really is all about, and you just think it's about the logo and all, you get an ad company come in and yeah. do all that, then you say, hey, nothing has changed. Lah. We rebranded, but we're still the same. Because your whole culture is still ridden with all kinds of uh, issues. You got to address it from and the root. Mm. A plant which shows um, leaves and fruit that's not very healthy, you need to go and examine the root. The root and the trunk. If the trunk, if the root's not healthy, it's not going to feed the trunk. And Mm. if the trunk is ridden with all kinds of pests and and, and, uh, it's hollow and all that, definitely the tree is Mm. not going to be healthy. And what are you feeding the tree? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Okay, move on to the next case. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to agriculture here. No. Um, case study number five. I've been given the task of bringing the corporate values alive, uh, meaning bringing them to the awareness of every employee. What are some strategies I can employ to do this? Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So what we need to do is, first of all, we got to go and talk to the people about the values. You could create some awareness about the values. You know, have things like... Um, posters, LCDs, create little videos, YouTube videos. What I suggest sometimes to to people who are doing work with values is um, go and have a little video, get a video competition and ask your employees uh, to sort of enact or depict a certain value in, in whatever they do. Lah. So let's say you've got four values. So, okay, you've got all these four values. Ask them to go and do a video with all the four values or what do they think it represents and all that. So everyone gets interested. Oh, really? Okay, so this is what values are. And then after that, maybe you start doing little workshops on what are the values and get from the employees from different departments, how can we translate that value into behaviours? Let's say if I'm talking about respect. Now, that's a big one because there's so much of disrespect going on in 
the world today mm. and organizations. So if respect is a value, then um, ask, let's say, the um, customer service staff, how do I portray respect in my job? Ask the finance executive, how do I res- uh, portray respect in my job? Ask the manager, how do I respect my people? You know, how do I portray respect in, in all the various uh, channels, avenues and interactions I have in my job? So they began to have an awareness. It, you know, so many times when I've done training on translating, um, on, on living out the brand values, people come to the, at the end of it, they say, I just knew the values were there and I just ignored them because I didn't know what they meant. Mm. But now I have such a clear picture of what it means. So it's very important not just to put the values there, but to tell the people the meaning of the values and how they can translate it into daily behavior. And then also to reiterate that those values usually are universal values. You don't just apply them at work. They've got to be everywhere so that you yourself become credible and congruent. Like, I mean, you can't tell people, uh, somebody can't just come to work and then respect everyone else and talk and, you know, normal polite tones and say please and thank you. And then he goes on and shouting at his wife and children. Mm. Respect has to be, you know, it has to be integrated, it has to be internalized and become part of you. Those values need to be embraced, not just like nine to five, but at all times. Then they become part of you, they become believable, they yeah. become credible and you become very sincere in the application of those values. So have activities, have activities like competition, contests and all that at the workplace to excite people about, you know, everyone, people don't want to do things for free. Eh? There's always a what's in it for me. Mm. Now, why should I participate uh, in this whole thing about values? But okay, if you're giving me a competition and I can earn a thousand bucks eh, or a holiday trip somewhere, I'll do it. You I'll know, let's, it. let's do that. Right, And then after that, while in the doing of it, they learn, they grow, and then they learn to embrace the values because it just becomes part of them. Okay, uh, you know, thanks thanks for being with us, uh, Sheila. You know, if you have any questions about uh, anything uh, in terms of your, your organization, yourself and all that, do drop us an email. You can send it to enterprise at bfm.my. You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. If you don't want any of your names mentioned, also can. Uh, you can send an email to Sheila at human-equation.com as well. And of course, Sheila Singham from Human Equation will be back uh, for the final Monday of next month. Uh, you've been listening to Raise Your Game on Enterprise BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.